0: Hey, it's Brian from Rock and Roll Bedtime Stories, and welcome to a brand new spin off series of Rock and Roll Bedtime Stories called Bedtime Story Conversations. Yeah, BS Conversations. Do you like that? <laughs> this is when we get to chat with folks who are doing the work, who are making the music, who are writing the books, who are producing the records, who are in the field. Uh, And who maybe have some stories of their own to tell. So think of it as a fun way to get other people in on the conversation and to find out more of those rock and roll rumors and the truth behind them from the sources. So we're going to start this brand new series with a really special guest. Casey Cavalier is an American record producer, mixing engineer, songwriter, and artist coach. And he's also the guitar player in the rock band, the wonder years. The band came out of Lansdale, Pennsylvania back in 2005. And has, in that time, since then put out six full length records, some EPs and a whole lot more, and have toured all over the world and on all sorts of stages, festival and otherwise, uh, rocking out and, uh, bringing people a lot of happiness. Uh, In addition to all of those things, uh, Casey also is a podcast host. He has a show called The Record Process, where he talks about the process of making a record with people who have made records of some significance. Uh, It definitely slots right in next to what we do here at Rock and Roll Bedtime Stories, and he was a blast to have a conversation with and hang out. So, welcome, enjoy. This is the inaugural episode of... Rock and Roll Bedtime Stories, Bedtime Stories Conversations with Casey Cavalier from The Wonder Years.
1: Fix my face in post. Please. Yeah, yeah. So vain, all these rockers. That's totally. Well, that's definitely our brand. It, it,
0: <laughs> this is what. So I, you know, I came up through broadcast. I was a radio guy, a terrestrial radio guy, and then a podcasting guy. And so I, the joke is, I it's a face for radio, face right? For radio. And now everybody wants you to be on fucking video too, and it's like, well, no, 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 no. Wait, I know, I know where my my talent lies, and it's in the pipes. So let's let's yeah. just keep this. But yeah, no, man, uh, that that's awesome. Welcome. Uh, thank you for hanging out, Casey. Uh, thrilled to have you. Big fan of the band. Big fan of you. Um, I, l- let's just talk a little bit about like your rock and roll origin story. This is like a thing, you know, because we talk about rock and roll stories yeah. here, right? How did it all start for you?
1: It did start with a guitar at a pretty young age. The context here would be that my dad was a musician. And honestly, in the heyday of classic rock was in a band in the early 70s, um that actually had their go at it uh, and, you know, their near brush with, you know, the, the greatness that kind of as I as I say that uh, that almost like that thing you do esque moment oh, but for, dude. Like,
0: I don't know if you've been doing your homework on me but that anyone that listens to the show knows that that thing you do is my all time favorite movie so we're like five minutes in and we're talking about that thing you do let's go
1: it dude, is, what, it well, is, well I know it, this song is gospel um, no probably not so it was the, the band went through <laughs> they went through a lot of different iterations I think a couple different names but they didn't put out records on like Paramount with with Warner Brothers. Uh, they were called Central Park. And long before that, I think they were called Eagle uh, or Eagles, just Eagles. That obviously didn't <laughs> that's, last. For that's unfortunate. You know? Um, so yeah, so it went through some twists and turns. And they, I, I think, um, at a certain point, have one of those like manager owns half the band, like big time, a guy, classic you
0: know, rock and roll bedtime story, right? A yeah. Classic rock and roll bedtime story.
1: Sure. And they're still friends, you know, um, to this day. And I've, and I've met all the guys, but I grew up and like slowly one by one would meet them. He had growing up still the leftover fragments of that career, which was like, you know, Ampeg cab with a B 25 head nice. like, and his old school, like heavy as fuck jazz <laughs> bass, uh, which <laughs> you can probably see as a bass player, you know, behind you on the wall. Mm-hmm. Uh, damn, they just, I swear to God, those things were built of lead back then. It was unreal. Um, or maybe I was just, uh, a child that was like four feet tall and I thought it was, heavy. <laughs> I don't know. That's probably more likely the, the scenario there, but all of that. So this stuff was floating around the house, collecting dust, like in the attic or whatever. And eventually I'm like, what is that? Like, yeah, yeah. it's great. You weren't lying about this. Yeah. Shit. Fill me um, in on this
0: dad. Does he have any good road stories? Has he ever just regaled you with, with any of that? Or does he keep it sort of like war
1: stories? certain things came out where I would like, you know, as I was kind of coming online and like going through like the garage or the attic. And I would be like, um, dad, is this a roach clip? And he's like, (laughs) you know what that is? And I was like, um, uh, I don't know, TV, the internet, um, you know, the movies that you don't, that you don't think I'm watching. Right, right, Right. Um, and at that point I think he's like, all right, well, you know, you know, and then let the cat out of the bag where it's like, yeah, he spent a bunch of time with Cheech and Chong back in the heyday. And oh, I was like, oh, yeah. okay. Um, interesting. <laughs> he's like, yeah, they were, he was like, they were very much around in that mix.
0: So, what's That's... he think of your success? Like, this has got to be interesting for him on all sorts of a level.
1: I mean, he's proud as hell um, and still just in kind of like disbelief. And I think also, too, for him, it's very clearly a different industry, a different business oh, in sure. so many ways. I think up until recently, he always thought that we never had enough female backing vocals or strings on our albums. <laughs> um, we tried to fix a little bit of that. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, other than that, there were, you know, there were some of like the old man. It's just like, why do you got to do all that screaming?
0: I have to ask this, right? What's the rock rumor that like made you sort of obsessed with rock and roll?
1: It is the Ohio Players, the, the love roller coaster. Oh, um, hell yeah, I believe. Where And you can probably tell this even better because you probably know like the full story and dirt on it. But I remember the rumor being that I think, you know, like the scream or whatever, uh, in the background on that record was actually somebody like Infamously being murdered in the control room or something. Uh, <laughs> and, it was up, and it was picked up by the talk back. And I'm pretty sure that's also no. why that probably follows me all the way through to, um, interestingly enough, my podcast, The Record Process, and why I become really fascinated with the things that make the records turn out the way they do, uh, intentionally and unintentionally. So that one, I, I just remember, and it has stuck with me. Um, and I'm almost positive uh, that that's the. It's, that's it, the it, is,
0: it is Love Roller Coaster. Right. Yeah, okay. it's a 100% Love Roller Coaster. Okay. And this is a really good one. We actually have not done an episode on this. And mm. I love the idea. So I got to see the Ohio Players at a music festival when I was like, I don't know, 18 or something. At the moment, definitely didn't really realize. It was like, I just remember sort of the experience of being there and being like, oh, I know all these songs.
1: Totally one of those bands where everybody, if anybody's listening, to like, oh, Ohio Players. You know them all.
0: The big you ones. know them
1: like they 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 just are that band and god they're so Or they've many been or that. they've
0: been sampled and reworked right. like and love a roller lot of that
1: right. it yeah. comes down to it's like well you know it because this hip hop track actually took right, the groove right. from it.
0: And that's a great example of what I'm talking about. It's like, you don't even realize that it infects your brain. So, I mean, I have to ask, like, as a musician, is there, is there anything that's happened to you or that you've been around? These, these sorts of stories where you're like, man, I know a little something about something, but I don't even know how much I can tell
1: there are a few things and actually i just thought of um so now there's going to be 3 that i have three instances now these aren't necessarily stories they're just i'm going to paint little vignettes of imagine what it would be like to be <laughs> us to see these things right <laughs> um so uh the first one i'll set the stage so there's uh there's a festival that happens over in the uk called download very big yeah, rock yeah, yeah. festival big right? deal we show up to download and we're back there in our trailer and you see like you'll see occasionally like golf carts will come by to pick up each artist to kind of shuttle them over sure. around the grounds to their stage. Like this particular festival, a gentleman that uh, is highly recognizable. So there was no doppelganger that, or, you know, there was no mistaken identity. A guitarist by the name of Kerry King, who Uh-oh. plays for the metal band Slayer, Uh <laughs> pretty infamous <laughs> band in the world of metal. Yes. Right. And he's if for anybody that doesn't know what Carrie King looks like, give it a Google. Uh, he's got a look, right? The point of this being that like uh, most of the time, right? So our band, like we we get in, the gear gets dropped, gets shuttled to stage. The guitars are there. You get shuttled there, throw the guitar on, and get it, you know, right? Throw your ears on, and then walk on stage. In this case, we saw. Oh well, this makes sense. Look, there's there's Carrie King. He's got his guitar like on him, like his signature guitar. He's just walking around backstage. That's definitely him. That's so sick. And then you're like, oh, he's probably getting ready. It's like, that's cool. He's like warming up on the shuttle. I'm not kidding you. I watched this man walk in to the bathroom trailer guitar on and then come out like five minutes later i was like i think Gary king just took a shit like with his guitar <laughs> like he didn't like take it off to hand it like this man like this thing is glued to him like up to an hour before they go on and that said <sighs> so much to me and i love it so much that is seared in my mind We we were in disbelief we were like that's why he's that's why he's the good he never lets like, it go i, I gotta say did, go. did you
0: adopt this habit now are you now just ride or die with no, your guitar for I, an hour
1: no i don't think i'm worthy honestly um <laughs> i just leave him at stage and then you know shake shake it out a couple times but not not carry <laughs> And on that topic, uh, festivals like that, you you often get paired in odd scenarios with other um, with other lar- much larger acts than you would otherwise have a have a reason to come in proximity to. And there's a festival that happens in Australia that, um, well, a festival that used to happen in Australia every year was called Soundwave, yeah. very big rock festival, huge on that continent. And one of the years that we played it, it was being headlined by Metallica. Uh-oh. When Metallica then also decides to throw a barbecue for all of the bands and, like, mingle as people, Hell that's also yeah. extra cool, right? So we had that experience. That was that was pretty neat. We have an off day between shows, right? So there's only, like, you know, you, you do Soundwave in, like, three, right? I think maybe four cities, right? And we decided to go to the beach. Australia. Beautiful yeah, beach. Of course, yeah. Right. Of course, got to go down there. We take a train, how, however, get down there. We're walking. They're sitting on a bench by the water. Oh my god! Hat, hat low, right on a bench by himself, just staring at the ocean with an ice cream cone in his <laughs> left hand was James Hatfield. <laughs> and i just looked over and i was like you can't bother the guy he's already like we already had the like metallic like there's no like need to like introduce or whatever but just like the most peaceful like like a child there just the idea staring out into the ocean with an ice cream cone like and i'm talking about like the dairy queen like mcdonald's like soft serve like cartoon ice cream cone any any
0: grown man with a cartoon style ice cream cone is funny but james hatfield Hatfield, is the best We have an episode on this show called Marilyn Manson versus the Wonder Years, and it is not in reference to your band. It is in reference to the fact that there wow. was a rock rumor, of course, that Marilyn Manson uh, was on the Wonder Years, which he was not. We have, of course, debunked that. Mm-hmm. But I, it, it seems worth asking, since I have you here, if, if the Wonder Years, the band, has had any interactions with Marilyn
1: Manson. Brian, you, you've brought me right to the <laughs> threshold of interaction number three. Um, Holy dream. which surprise does in fact involve Marilyn Manson.
0: Young Brian Warner. All right. Hit me um, with it.
1: The important facts of this are that yes, the Wonder Years, the band that I play in was asked to perform at this festival. Wow. And also the one and only Marilyn Manson was also contractually obligated to perform at this festival. So the other interesting thing about these festivals, they're all day, right? Yeah, There's yeah. a lot of big bands. Yeah. So by, by logic, that means that there are going to be some pretty notable acts that are still playing during daylight, right? Yeah. That was that always Manson weird. Is one of those acts that's a little difficult to picture playing at 4 p.m. in the afternoon. Yeah. Right? Now, what was that like? Well, <laughs> I don't know because we did not see the set. But what we did see was Marilyn Manson at the artist compound waiting for a shuttle to go over to the stage before his set. My singer – Then took it upon himself, watches like Marilyn Manson get in, watches a couple other uh, of his crew get in. And they're like, wait, everybody's waiting there. And there's like the one like captain seat, like still left open. And we were also waiting for a shuttle to go off to to our stage, I believe. And my singer just gets in the shuttle, sits down (laughs) and says, is this thing going to the stage? Uh, And it just turns around Looks back in the back seat back there at Marilyn Manson and he just gets, I swear to God, he claims he got this little smile cracked. He's like, I think I made Marilyn Manson laugh. He's like, I think he's like, he was not upset. Maybe he was, but I think he was like, he loved the boldness that much to be like, okay, that's kind of funny. Um, but I keep not on Marilyn Manson, I can't outright. I can't laugh really right laugh right now at that. Yeah. Because yeah, I'm yeah. supposed to be very like mad and not say anything right now. But yeah, we got it. This is what you do when you get bored, and you're a band like us. We convinced our label that uh, our drummer Mike Kennedy was um, in a starting a new metal project called Filth Breeder, and we stumbled <laughs> upon uh, Jacoby Shaddix from Papa Roach and said, "Listen, um, our label's really worried." Um, that, you know. We we sent them this picture, a fly landed on his head. I took it. And then we put the word like filth breeder in like metal <laughs> script below it. Real grimy. Um, and then our friend like decided to make skullcap beanie merch just as a joke as well. And now the labels really like doesn't understand that it's a joke and is kind of worried. So we figured, um, if we could just, uh, ha- have you help us out, Jacoby, um, and just we're going to go ahead and tweet that you're producing the Filth Breeder record <laughs> um, and that it's dropping. And he's like, OK, sure. I swear to God, we like tagged like Filter Magazine and a bunch of others. And immediately like three people from the label caught us for Australia, mind you, and are like, you got to take that down. You're ruining all of our relationships with these publications. And you're like, oh, all right, I mean. Relax, guys. <laughs> um uh, that's it, it, it was a joke that went maybe too far. <laughs> um, dude, that's so uh, good. But it was fun while it lasted. Um update my my drummer is now actually in a metal band. <laughs> They're not called Filth Breeder, <laughs> but um I wish they, they were. Good.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I wish they were. Uh all right, man. L- listen, dude, this this has been awesome. I got one last question for you when we're talking about rock and roll legends and lore, and that is I know you Uh, host a great podcast where you talk a lot about the making of records uh, and you talk a lot about uh, the gear that is used to make records. So I'm curious, is there a particular piece of gear from rock history that you wish you could touch
1: or play? Oh man. Well, I will say this is kind of a cop out because I literally own it. Um, Oh shit. But the amp that I have used on pretty much all of our records and a lot of the ones that i produced as well is a, Silver Series Marshall Jubilee head was formerly owned by, I believe, the guitarist of the Black Crows, which is oh, pretty, wow. neat, which is pretty neat. That's dope. Um, but the, what I love about that amp is it's kind of like the the origin of it is like the original like slash mod on like an eight hundred, like how like the his tone. Okay, um, and so um, I've always loved that sound. I also appreciate some great microphones in the places that they've been and the proximity with which they have been Uh, um, like spat upon by royalty, you know? So we, we have been in some pretty cool proximity to some rooms that have unreal mic lockers. And it's just like, Oh, that's straight up the mic that was used to track, some songs on Thriller. How did oh, you get that? Wow. I don't know. That's a um, thing? People have you know, mic lockers? I don't, but this, some of the studios that, I have, that I've been in have some gear with some pretty wild back history. Yeah, that's crazy.
0: So, so, so speaking of a history of gear and of making records, talk, talk a little bit about your show.
1: Yeah, you mentioned it's called The Record Process. Actually try to take kind of w- with each episode we do, try to zero in on one album, right? And then pick out one guest that has contributed or worked on, on the process of making that album in one way. And so what's really cool about it and what um, what I've found and kind of realized through conversations uh, as a musician, but also in the studio and with other producers or songwriters and just a lot of people that have worked in music and around music makers for so long, is that there's kind of this interesting like 360 degree perspective shift depending on who you are and your part in the record, you know, um, and what your role is. And I like to shine a light on that, but also get the stories and and those background things from, from some different voices on each record. So one record might be the artist speaking about their journey that brought them, you know, to where they were in life and why they chose the people that they chose to work on the record and, and what that process was like. Some of it might be, um, a record where we invite the producer of the record to come in and they talk about the relationship with the band. how that dynamic played out and maybe get a little bit more behind the scenes inside baseball on the gear type stuff and the choices that they make and the things that were uh, at their disposal right Right. what when where and why of you know how how they kind of shape the record and then we also sometimes go into because i believe like an album and the creativity and the impact of it doesn't just start and stop with the making of it obviously it just only really just begins with with the final masters, right? And so a lot of that creativity is how you deliver it to uh, the world and present it to listeners. And and I love talking about it. We had a, a friend of mine who's a publisher named Jamie Coletta on. She talked about an incredible record made by uh, an artist named Jeff Rosenstock at, called Worry that came out in 2016. We, we love and, Jeff
0: Rosenstock in these parts. Yeah, We're big fans. Yeah, yeah. He's,
1: he's, he's amazing. He's incredible in so many ways. I love Jeff. But so that was like a cool case study look at her perspective and experience of working with an artist like Jeff on building the narrative that was so strong around this record right and how that's really cool and that be- and that's almost a part of the art in and of, in and of itself We take a lot of different looks, but at the core of it, it is trying to give you give you some some really cool narrative inside baseball on some out of the box records that that have a really big impact and a cool story. Dude, you know, um, that's awesome. And hoping that it inspires p- inspires other artists, other just creators in general, and maybe you know offers a few interesting ideas or you know, tips to kind of follow or, or test out uh, in their own way. And and that's what I've gotten from a lot of the podcasts that I listen to. So I said, if, if I'm going to make a show, I want it to be based around the conversations that I have with my studio partners that are very much like this, except, right. you know, to the lore of records that are made and how yeah. they were made and why, and the people involved. And I want it to be something that can hopefully give that back to other music creators when they might be having a day where they're really battling resistance, that was the goal and it's been a really fun ride and we do 12 episode seasons kind of like a
0: record let's keep the education of what a record is alive right for in a day and age where sometimes people undervalue the idea of a complete piece of work let's talk about the full record yeah
1: yeah and i think that's really important too because it, you know it's not only a, a focus and interest on each track but how they all kind of work together for sure. and how they inform the choices that you make from one to the other in in subtle ways and also wonder years has always been very much an album geared band yeah, for sure you know we like the room in there that you have to play with to tell a really complete story with a bunch of smaller ones you know yeah and that's always been really important to us so that's why i think i gravitate towards approaching the show in this way too i create plenty of other music as a producer i mix a bunch of stuff i love doing it and i'll never stop doing that and but this is kind of for the time being this is kind of my side project is the podcast you know
0: I love it dude I'm glad you're doing it and I think it's I think it's important for people to be a part of that process and, and learn from it so here's here's what I'm going to leave leave us with this is the last question if you had a chance given what you do with this sort of thing as a producer and also somebody who talks to people who are producing these things if you could write a 33 and a third book what Ooh. what record would you write it on
1: Wow Okay, that's even harder than like the favorite song or favorite artist. That's a... Damn, that's a great one, Brian. Um, being a product of the 90s, I love 90s stuff. Offspring Smash, because I go. think that in terms of independent music, but in terms of the scope and where they've gone. And talk about lore. I was having a conversation with the band I'm uh, working with the other night about how like – so much of the things that you remember as a kid that really stick with you as far as pattern interruption was that Dexter Holland had his, had a PhD. Yeah. Right. I mean, um, (laughs) we have talked about that That stick with me. Um, and that was like, it's not even like, it's not that crazy, but it also, it's just, you look at him and you're like, wait, what? You know, um, well, it's this
0: moment and, that you can be you can be a punk and you can be smart and you can be whatever right, you want, right? And right. I think I think he like, did a lot like for punk kids or something. are not names, a monolith right? yeah.
1: in that way. Yeah, it's yeah. like and um and I was like, man, that's why
0: thank you so much for doing this. This has been awesome. Um, super uh, fun, and I uh, am excited about your show, and I'm excited that you're on this show.
1: Of course, man. Yeah, this, what a blast. Thanks for having me.
0: And, and here's, yeah. here's the ultimate crossover episode when you get one of the engineers who was on that Ohio Players record. Then we're just, we're, we're
1: just all doing it together, okay? <laughs> Ooh, I'm going to look for it. Wow, I love that. I love a good crossover, honestly. That'll be our split seven-inch. Uh,
0: there. Oh, hell yeah. I love it. Yeah. I love it. That'll be great. That's uh, awesome, I dude. I look
1: forward to that. Moves all my shit to my face basement and down to